Hey guys, you know what time of year it is? It's the holidays. Black Friday. A lot of you are like, hey, this is my episode to hear all the Black Friday stuff. You might want to tune in because you're going to hear that I have a different take for this year. But then we're going to shift gears and guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about how if you don't like where you are, whether we're talking about your job, whether you're talking about your income, whether we're talking about your savings, just anything that deals with just your station in life. Today, we're going to give you a vision plan recap. If you remember, we had a great impact podcast that we did at the end of last year. We're bringing it back to you. All that and more on today's show. It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. So, Bo, I think we start celebrating Christmas these days around October 15th. I think that's about right. <laughs> well, my, uh, my neighborhood actually had to, the HOA actually sent out a letter to everyone saying, hey, just so you know, Christmas decorations are only allowed to be up from the day of Thanksgiving until January 15th. Ooh, you guys are strict. I'm telling you, it's nuts. It kind of made me feel a little weird. Can you have cars on blocks? I don't think you can have any cars on Definitely blocks. Definitely if you can't do Christmas decorations until uh, Thanksgiving Day. I mean, you guys, woo. You know what the biggest letter that we get in my neighborhood is? Is if you have like one of your school mascots out in front of your house or like a flag or something, they don't generally uh, smile upon that. Isn't that a little intense? That might hurt resale. I know. I'm the. I'm, ooh, it's it's upsetting. So here's the thing: Black Friday is one of those things. When I get around the holidays, I get excited because I can smell the deals. I just the green in my back pocket that I'm going to. I guess save, even though that's weird because we're talking about spending money, but I'm thinking about savings that I can get from Black Friday. You're going to stretch it. I'm going to stretch the dollar. But here's the, here's what's happened. I think we've gotten a little crazy. You know, it's like anything else here in America. I guess we're, we're second to Texas and that we go big or you go home because, you know, we've gotten where people are now opening up. Businesses have started opening up on Thanksgiving and it's kind of lo- losing its focus. On what the purpose of the holiday is, it's not supposed to be the Super Bowl of shopping and only shopping and you stay away from your family and just think about and reflect upon what you're thankful for in life. And that's why you'll see retailers this year, like REI, have said, you know what, we're out. We're, we're not doing this Black Friday thing the way we've done it in the past. And I think that's 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 commendable. Because I will tell you, I no longer, it's probably been three years since I got excited about waking up at four in the morning to go pound the pavement to try to beat people to a deal. And I think that's true for most of you. And and technology has kind of evolved and changed things where I still get excited for Black Friday. And if you haven't downloaded the TGI Black Friday app on your phone or your Android device, go check it out because that's what I still get a big enjoyment out of going and reading all the sales circulars, going ahead and marking my favorites, and then putting together a shopping attack plan. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to wake up at four in the morning, go out there, and you also, we don't have to have all the employees missing out on Thanksgiving because they're they're trying to get everything ready for you. So if and, and the only other thing I would add just from stretching your dollars, if you are, because things have, have shifted and it's now more technology-focused, you got to take advantage of the Ebates, the you promise, and all those shopping tools we have talked about on a continuous basis. If you don't know about them, go to our website, money 
God, moneyguy.com, and we'll, we'll make sure we get you straight on that. But, Bo, you have anything on Black Friday before I kind of shift to, to the next next phase of what we're going to be talking about? I mean, it's always been a spectacle, but I feel like it has turned into a huge spectacle. And, uh, and I feel like there's still great deals to be had, even if you're not getting them at 3 in the morning on, uh, on Friday morning. You know, the only thing, I, I'll say this in closing, remember the great thing about Black Friday also is things that are price fixed, whether you're talking about Xbox Ones, Apple products, and other things like that, that you can never get a deal on. This is the time of year where they will now give you little sweeteners. Maybe they'll give you a, a store gift card. Or they'll give you, you know, another product on top of it. So they don't actually drop the price. They just th- give you this plus more. So, so think about that. And then that kind of leads me to the next thing because what is the holiday that's coming up? It's Thanksgiving. And I get excited. This time of year, I get very nostalgic about just where I am in life. You know, the journey that's gotten me here, my family that's here, and then also my, my family members that unfortunately have passed. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you just kind of look around and you go, man, what do I kind of really think of my life? What am I thankful for? And what have, what am I not really digging at this point in my life? And it's, I get very sentimental this time of year because I love being around the family. It, it makes me so happy to, to kind of start doing the holiday shopping, but also hanging out with the family, going out to eat more and, you know, preparing food recipes and other things like that. But then I know before I got into the place I was now, this was also a time where, especially if you want to spend time with the family, but maybe you're stuck in a career that you're, you just can't, you don't have that flexibility. Or maybe you're also just in a job where you can't afford to, to give your family what you would like, or you just know there's more potential within you, and it hasn't happened. I tell people, come up with a vision plan. We did an episode. It was the last episode we did. Actually, it was the second to last episode, because I think it was mid-December That's right, yep. uh, of 2014, talking about your personal vision plan. Guys, this was an incredible show. I went back and listened to it just to make sure because we got tons of feedback on this show. And it is exactly the type of show as we get into our holidays when we got Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up and you're starting to take inventory of where you are in life. There is not a better show that you could listen to to get you in the right mindset to figure out how you're going to turn 2016 into the year that you want your life to start getting traction. Now, here's the exciting thing for me was I was when I went back and listened to last year's episode. You guys have to realize, I made a huge shift in the way this, this show works. You know, we have done, we've got 10 years of history of podcasting, and this is a passion project where I have worked for years to, to kind of build a family. You guys that are listening out there, you are part of the Money Guy family. And I, I didn't want to do anything to jeopardize that, but I had a, a friend of mine who is a, a financial advisor who's actually, his firm is, is tremendously successful. And we were at a kind of a, a roundtable conference, and I was telling him about the podcast, or he had heard about the podcast, and when he started asking me some questions, and then when he heard about the impact we were having, he was shocked that I was not doing better with turning listeners into clients. You guys should know, this time last year is when I gave, when I talked about this vision plan, I mentioned that I wanted to start telling our listeners Hey, if you want to take the relationship to the next level, reach out to us because we are accepting fee-only clients all across the country. Guess what? 2015 has been the best year in my professional career. And I want to say thank you. Talking about 
Thanksgiving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I can't think of a better way to kind of close this out as we bring in last year's episode on vision planning. I kind of get tingly just thinking about it, Bo, because if you feel that there's just something not right in your life, this is the time to kind of take inventory, figure out how you do a little bit of preparation, and then you change your entire focus and direction, and everybody gets the dividends in your life if you do it right. Bo, any thoughts before we kind of roll right into the episode? No, I think it's a great episode. Hope you guys enjoy. Happy Thanksgiving, because we're not. I'm I'm headed on a cruise for Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm going to be down uh, down in Atlanta with family, which is always fun. Yeah, so it's um everybody. We have a lot to be thankful for, and thank you, Money Guy family. Steps to a vision plan. Bo, we kind of did these together yeah. because I wanted to get your take, and I liked how you tried to get me to draw out some of my own personal experiences. Mm-hmm. So I'll throw in that stuff too, if I haven't run everybody off with my 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 man crush on Dave Grohl that I just threw out there. But here we go. The first thing we figured out: if you're going to have a successful vision plan, you got to write it down. Absolutely. Um, Bo, you know I do some of my best thinking, and I've had. At least two business concepts that have come out of taking showers. Absolutely, yeah. I don't yeah. know what it is, but when I'm um when I'm taking a shower, maybe it's because I don't have a child pulling on my leg, I don't have somebody screaming my name, but that water hitting my brain, it, it makes me think better. Yeah. I'll just sit under the shower and think about what I've got to do for the day, and then that's where some of my better ideas come. But the thing is, when I have these dreams, when I have these these thoughts, they don't really exist until I write them down. Mm-hmm. So you've got to write down these ideas when they come to you. So so that's probably the first thing I'd start with. The second thing, and Bo, we were talking about this was so important, and I didn't realize this until I, I guess I'm in that wounded warrior or maybe uh, hitting that elder status versus that, that warrior that wants to just take over the world. Is we'll call you the wise warrior. The wise warrior maybe is that you have to understand the why of why you're doing your mm-hmm. vision. And we were talking about, Bo, is that I've always been a very driven person and you've talked about you are you're a very driven person, but I couldn't tell you what my my true vision for life of why I was you know besides just trying to be successful, I didn't have something that made it different. Sure. So I think it's important if you understand the why um, and what's driving your desire to do this, you'll be much more likely to be successful. And, and to give an example, I worked. Y'all have heard my story if you because we've been doing this show since two thousand six. What led to me even starting my own company? I worked for one of the, I worked for the, I shouldn't say one, it's the largest fee only financial planning firm in the entire Southeast. We were working with, you know, CEOs of companies. We were working with professional athletes. Pedigree wise, I couldn't have been working with a better firm. Right. Um, my father got sick in 2000 with leukemia. Passed away rather quickly. I mean, I remember he, he kind of was on a slow demise for about a five to six month period. And then, well, I should say fast demise because that's pretty quick for leukemia. And I lost my father in December of 2000 and it kind of rocked my world. And, um, you know, it's so funny is that I was driven all the, you know, to, to have success. I was working all the time. And then it hit me that I was leaving the house at six in the morning, coming home at seven at night. We didn't have, I was married, but I didn't have children at the time. And after my father passed, it's one of those things where it alters the entire landscape of your life where you're like, holy cow, what am I doing? You know, I'm on this treadmill. I'm making, I'm making good money. I'm working all the time. But why? The why? Why am I doing this? Because it didn't seem very worthwhile 
after my father passed sure. away. So um, I didn't know. The other thing that hit me was when my father passed away, I didn't get to take a lot of time off work. I think that's part of working for a more of a corporate feeling place. You, you know, you're, you're kind of a number, then you've got to get your workload done. So I didn't get to take what, the time that I wish I would have been able to take to kind of mourn the passing of such a key person in my life. Because me and my father talked at least three to four times a week. He was kind of my rock in that aspect. So I decided when my father passed away, probably in January of 2001, that I was not going to keep working at this company. And so I spent all of 2001 saving money, coming up with a plan. And then I went in, I remember I put in my notice right at the end of January, 1st of February, I was going to leave. And somehow, this is why sometimes I think, it, you know, there's more at work than just a good plan. I was able to start my own company, but then the, the company I was working with asked me to keep working for them for like another two and a half to three months while I was still working on my stuff. They said, work on your stuff, but we need you to help transition off these clients. I look back because we still know that company yeah. and still have a tremendous amount of respect. I can't imagine them ever doing that for no, any of their associates not. now. I definitely mean, so not. I don't know what was different back then, but it was, it worked. I mean, it all worked out. And I think the whole purpose of me telling you all this is passion and purpose can trump trials and talent. And what I mean by that is, is that my world was so rocked after my father's death that I didn't worry about the fact that, you know, I did worry I needed to save money, but I didn't know where I was going to get my clients from because I had no clients when I started my firm. Well, I did have one. I transitioned one client from my old firm, and then I transitioned off everybody else um, to, to be right on with it. And I didn't know how well I was going to be able to make it through all the trials and tribulations of starting a new company, the regulations, the the requirements to get financing on things. I didn't think about that stuff, but my passion, as well as my purpose for the why I was trying to do it, beat out those 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 trials and tribulations as well as the talent I was able to build that talent even up to a point because I was going to make it happen no matter what. And I think those are such important things um, if you're going to make it through. And the biggest part of that is understanding the why of why you want to have this new vision plan. We had talked about, Bo, the other thing. The old, I was only in Boy Scouts for a few months. I, I made it through all the way through Cub Scouts. Got my arrow of light as a weebelow, but then soon they started sleeping outside. You just dropped some some stuff on me that I've never even heard before. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about when you say the wee below and the arrow. So you weren't a Cub Scout, I think. No, it. sir, not, well, not me. Uh, so I got to the Boy Scouts. You know, I, I remember the motto: "Always be prepared." But it really was one, and I think I was ruined because I, I camped in college. And I liked, I love hiking. I love being outdoors because it helps me with that whole breathing in, taking in the surroundings and stuff. But the first outdoor trip I went on. Um, it snowed. You know, in Georgia, we don't get a ton of stuff. And we were hiking the Appalachian Trail, a portion of the Appalachian Trail in North Georgia mountains. And um, we had one of the worst snowstorms back in the early 80s when I was hiking. And um, the can- the tents that we had as-, as the Boy Scouts were these old Korean tents. When I say Korean, I'm talking about from the Korean War okay. that somebody had donated these tents to the, to the Boy Scouts. And I swear to God, there was a hole in my in the tent I was sleeping in. I woke up and my sleeping bag was wet, and it, of course, wasn't waterproof because we couldn't afford those. So I think I developed my dislike of camping from from just my worst experience you could of ever course, imagine yeah. from sleeping outside. But I do think there's something to the motto of always being prepared. So you can't underestimate the value of preparation. And when I talk about preparation. 
you know, yes, it's money. Yes, it's time. And, but it's even more than that. I think you've got a plan for the worse. I'm always amazed when I review people's plans of action. And it's always so rosy. I'm like, really? You don't think it's going to be harder than this? I mean, that's the thing is you have to, when you create a plan, plan for the worse. I mean, it really is the thing. Maybe you create two or three plans. I know when I was planning for this business, um, when I was doing all my spreadsheets, I had, I think I did three options. I did, okay, what's the worst it can be? And I still keep this thing afloat. Right. Versus what I think it will be. And then what if we just come out and kill it? You know, maybe, maybe Oprah decides she likes us and puts us on, you know, finds out about us early. That, that's the way you can do business planning or vision planning is you need to know, um, where you're going and plan for the worst. And I also say, know your blind spots. You know, I've talked about this on other things, but I pick on you because when you came out of college, how you're kind of a pessimist, I'm an optimist, but I know I'm an optimist, so I have to plan for that. I have to make sure that that's not a blind spot that hurts me. Yep. So preparation cannot be underestimated, and that really is money um, also. When I, when I talk about that, I told you I took, I mean, what did, if you did the math on that, it probably took me 15 to 16 months from, you know, from uh, my preparation to go out and become self-employed. Um, I had to save up. I think, Bo, I told you I saved up $42,000 in that year. We right. basically were living off my wife's salary. And then um, I started, we just saved as much money as we possibly could. I spent every bit of that money during that time just because that's how much, you know, you businesses, I went from making close to six figures to the first year I made $19,000. So if we didn't have the $42,000 of savings, there is no way this venture would have been because right? you've got to you got to fill in those voids while you're trying to build that client base because it really does take usually three years to kind of get a business going. Um, and time that's why you might need to make sure that you take enough time. Don't come up with a great concept and then think, okay, next month I'll just go implement. It might take a little time for that to build. I mean, Bo, this office open up this office in Nashville for you. We started preparation on that in 2011. Oh, yeah. It's been a years in the making. So, sure. I mean, this stuff does not happen overnight. A great plan can be demised very quickly by lack of preparation. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're doing what it takes to prepare for success. And by preparing for success means you have to know what the worst is and then make sure you've checked all the boxes on money, time, and everything else. Now, transitioning to the next step. I always say go the road less travel. I already hit on this a little bit when I was talking about Dave Grohl, kind of bringing it full circle again, is that I told you Dave Grohl had to, to get money for to create the Sonic Highways documentary series. And in an interview, he even stated, my stomach hurt every time I had to call these people and start talking to them about trying to raise money so I could get the funding to do this. But I kept telling myself, it's going to be good, meaning that the end user is going to get something out of this. It's going to make the world a better place by doing this. So that helped push him through. Well, I had the exact same experience. When I started my company, as I told you, I rolled out in February 2002 to start my business venture. I had one client, and I kind of looked around and go, holy now cow, <laughs> now, now what do I do? You know, how, how, do I make, how do I find the money to make this thing work? And and I did it. I tried everything. I kind of just the whole adage that I threw it up against the wall to see what would stick. You know, I cold called. That was horrible. It didn't work. I'm not exactly the greatest cold caller in the world. Um, I joined a bunch of organizations to see if I could meet people. And and truthfully, if I had to go back in time and tell you what was the one element that worked, I don't know that I could tell you. Right. But I can tell you, I tried everything, 
And that's because I was not going to let failure be an option with it. So you have to go the road less traveled, make your stomach hurt. If you're not losing sleep, if you're not making your stomach hurt, you're probably not doing it right. And I know that sounds harsh to say, because we all want life to be somewhat easy. But the truth of the matter is, you have to do the cruddy stuff. Yep. And that's what makes you different. You, you use a quote all the time talking about workout. You have to clean it up. Make it make it G to PG, bro. It says uh, everybody wants to be big and strong, but nobody wants to lift the heavy weight. Yeah. It sounds so much better, though, when you get to use the colorful <laughs> language, but it's true. I mean, everybody wants to be muscular and, and in good shape, but nobody wants to go do the hard work. Yep. It's the same thing. I mean, I'd love to have a six-pack, but man, do I love chicken fingers, <laughs> and I love the, the, the sauces that you can dip chicken fingers into. So that, that's why I'm not there. Um, I wanted to talk about kind of, we're getting close. So I think I've got two other things to talk about here is you need to be able to measure your progress. Bo, you and I were talking about, in pre, you know, in, in, in preparation for the show is that you have to have, if, if you just go out there, I think this is a lot of things in life. If you're not finding some way to measure where you are, how do you know if you're moving in the right direction? Exactly. So you've got to find some type of points of success to let you know you are on that right mm-hmm. path. Um, and I had a few things here. I said, this, this doesn't matter if you're talking about life, if you're talking about business. There are things that you can find to benchmark yourself off of to compare. If we're talking about health, go put, go ahead and schedule that physical with a doctor, doctor's office, maybe four months in advance. Mm-hmm. That way you have a goal, something that is going to force you to go to that gym three times a week or yep. four times a week. Something that will hold you accountable to that. If you're a business, I've already told you, I created three separate business plans. You know, the worst case, what I think will happen. And then if we knock the, you know, knock the leather off the ball, I, I created a three to five year business plan and I, I still have it in my archives. I could go pull that thing. Oh yeah. Out. We've looked at it. It's fun to go back in time and look at that business plan and see how you're doing. If you're talking about personal finance, you got to be doing these net worth statements. Yeah. How many years in a robo have we ended the December podcast and said, Guys, this is the greatest time of year because Bo and I are already sharpening our pencils doing, I guess we don't sharpen pencils anymore, but we're keying <laughs> in our, our spreadsheets. <laughs> we're keying in our spreadsheets, um, or updating our net worth statements. It's really a cool thing so because it, it lets you kind of see where you've been, where you're going, and you know, really kind of check into that benchmark to see how you're doing. Same thing with cash flow projections. You know, if you're, if you're monitoring how your money's going in and out, you're much more likely to be successful. So these are the things that are going to help you make it through these goals. Before I move on to the last point, net worth statement. I've told y'all, and I, I never know if I've picked up a new listener because I get emails all the time from people saying, I've been listening to you about a year. So I don't know if they got that last thing that I said maybe in last year's episode. But This is worth repeating even if you have heard it before. I mean, the net worth statement... My wife is not as financially involved with our finances as I am. She just doesn't love it. I mean, if it had Tory Burch written on the side of She'd you know, be all the about statement, it. might be a little more interested, but she's just not going to get involved. But I worry. I've already told you that, that I have more thoughts of my mortality now. Every year, I give her an updated net worth statement with key contact information, life insurance policies, and other things just in case I get hit by that bus on a Tuesday afternoon. I think that stuff is so important for your significant other to know where you, to have that, those discussions to know where you are financially. Um, the net worth statement also, if you're talking about internally, for some reason, when you see what you've done, maybe for the last year, last two, last three years, it does something to your internal psychology that flips a switch 
to where it really is magical. Things get better just because I think your subconscious is aware, hey, I need to work on this. So that's another reason. It goes back to the whole thing that I said in step one is you've got to write it down. Well, it's the same thing when you create a net worth statement. You're writing down where your moment where you are financially in this moment in time, that gets it going. That starts the plan. And I think that is so important. Um, did you have anything else you want to throw no, in that boat? Because I, I, I think that ties in. What I've found since we've begun doing the net worth statements, and we've been doing them for a number of years now, is you get a little bit better at it. Yeah. You start realizing the decisions you make throughout the year, oh, this is going to help the net worth statement at the end of the year. Yeah. Oh, maybe I want to forego this big purchase because that's going to add to this account over here. You actually kind of, it's like a golf swing. You're sort of refining that skill. And then when you look back and have five, six, seven, eight years of data, you say, holy cow, look at where I am now. How in the world did I get here? The last thing I had, and then, Bo, I'm going to totally, totally go off script here in a minute because I figured the last show of the year, anybody who stayed around until the end, I want to ask them a question at sure. the end so they can write us an email and give us their thoughts because I have something I know I want to do in 2015, and I want to get my listeners' thoughts on it. But the last thing that I kind of want to talk about is just benchmarking is better than blazing your own path. And what I mean by that is, is that, Bo, you know, whenever I've tried to do anything, where I've tried to grow, instead of recreating things or starting from scratch, I like to go try to associate or find people I can talk to that have already done it. Absolutely. Essentially, find a mentor. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is so interesting to me how generous successful people are. And and I, and I mean that, guys. You really um, ought to find somebody who who is where you want to be. See if you can just go talk to them. Yep. You know, I, I really am amazed in my life, you know, because nobody does it on their own. No, no matter how successful somebody is, there really is some value to where how you can see the fingerprints um, or the ripples taking off the terminology I used in last week's or the mm -hmm. two weeks ago's episode is that you can drop, a you know, a rock into a pond and that ripple effect of having an impact. Um, it's so funny. I didn't even plan on talking. I didn't write this down on my show notes or anything. I had a lunch. With somebody I looked up with, daughter. You know, I uh -huh. had a lunch with Sarah, who's the daughter of Dr. Thomas Stanley. She's doing a great thing with data points. Um, a lot of financial advisors listen to this show. You know, I know Sarah's going to be rolling this out. We'll probably, you know, mention it on a show coming up. But it was really, really cool to be able to share with Sarah that her father's book, The Millionaire Next Door, came out in 2000, I mean, 1996. Well, that's the year I graduated college. And I remember I was a, a public accountant. I worked at a CPA firm, was getting my CPA, but I always had a closet obsession with being working in personal finance. I was originally a finance major, so I knew I wanted to get into personal finance, but I went the safe route. I went where I knew I'd have a job and wouldn't have to live in my parents' basement and did the accounting degree. And it was reading books like The Millionaire Next Door, The Wealthy Barber, that helped me kind of put together this vision plan to change my entire destiny. And, and that's why I think I'm here. I think the accounting, what's funny to me, is that accounting, even though it was the, the, the kind of the cop-out so I wouldn't have to live in my parents' basement so I knew I'd have a job, it gave me the foundation to do things that I think that other advisors weren't doing when yeah, I came out. Sure. And it's funny what the, the crazy journey we all, you know, kind of weave ourselves through to reach things. But I found a mentor. You know, I think what's interesting is I, I started the firm in 2002. I also went to my very first NAPFA conference that year. I went to the pre-conference they called them, I don't think they called, I don't, maybe they called them boot camp boot back camp, then. Something like that. Um, yeah. and I met Cheryl Holland, who ran a firm over in Columbia, South Carolina. She was a monster of the industry. She still is a billion dollar firm doing incredible things. 
she just gave everybody CD-ROMs with all of her templates of how she did things. And I was just intrigued with her generosity. And, it, and in some small way, you could probably say that that's probably has, what has led to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Is I'd rather just give it away because I've realized that generosity and sharing experiences and knowledge can actually come back full circle. Um, I, I don't know what it is. I'm not going to get into all the mystical stuff, but I do think there's definitely something to being a generous personality. Finding that mentor, finding somebody that can help you out, someone who's done what you're trying to do and striving to do, it's going to help you tremendously. Because um, I know the things I screwed up on, and if I could share those things, I just saved that person yeah. months of probably the wasted time and Money, effort that time, I spent, effort, yeah. you know, making those mistakes. So, so try to check into that. Um, Bo, did you have something? I saw you feverishly writing. Before I did my, my quasi-science experiment here and put something out to our listeners, I wanted to let, give you a chance. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I was going to do a really quick recap. Essentially, we're talking about vision planning, and you said there are seven steps, and I just kind of jotted down what those seven steps were, just a little Who knew? I, knew I did seven steps. I we know, just right? kind of free, free pros it before Fantastic. we did this. Uh, number one, write it down. Put your goals on the paper so you know what you're doing. Uh, two, know the why. Don't just pursue success, but understand what is success. Why are you trying to achieve what it is you're trying to achieve? Um, have passion and a purpose is number three, and recognize that passion and purpose can overcome talents and trials. Uh, number four is just prepare. Plan for the worst. Know your blind spots. Uh, number five, go the road less traveled. Get out of your comfort zone. I think you, you said if, if your stomach doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. Uh, number six, make sure you have measurable goals to check your progress. And then number seven is nothing wrong with benchmarking. Find somebody who's already done it before, been successful at it, and can share their wisdom and insight with you. Here's the thing I want to close it out. This is kind of be the last thing we share in 2014. Hopefully we have a, a great 2015, too, is that I've been doing this podcast since 2006. It's made me tremendously sentimental in the fact of how far we've come because we went to our first FinCon this year. Got to meet what's funny is a lot of the guys that were getting awards at FinCon were people who had heard of our show. It, it was really fulfilling to see that we're kind of, we were on the front end of this whole thing. And it's also been crazy to just looking back retrospectively to see how much of my firm growth has been directly tied to the success of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And this thing started as a hobby. I did it because I felt guilty for the people who didn't meet our qualifications, our minimums. So I wanted to just give away free advice so those people wouldn't feel like they were just left out there without anybody helping them. And once again, generosity came back and paid itself forward. Um, I have picked up a, a good number of clients from the podcast. We have clients all across the country. I think we're in over half the country now. Yeah. Um, really incredible stuff. But I've been talking, I've been going to conferences, I've been speaking at things, and it hit me because I had one of my friends that's also a financial advisor, owns a very successful firm. Um, he's more successful than we are. But um, I told him, you know, he knows what we're doing here. And I told him our listenership numbers and stuff. And he goes, God, you, you would think you'd have more clients than that based upon the thousands of people that are listening. And then that that's how many clients. And I was like, well, you know. I try to be careful because I don't want to come off as a salesperson because this is an information show. This is a show where we share ideas with people so that you become a better personal finance person, whether it's investment, whether it's cash flow. And then I had my meeting where we did a big benchmark study um, for 2013. I was super excited because our growth rate was really, really good. And then um, I had my, my, my rep from Fidelity come down, and she talked with me. And she's like, yep. Really good growth, but man, with the thousands of people that are listening to you, really shocked. And she goes, I even went to your website. 
you don't ask for anything on there about sales. And I was like, well, that's not my thing. I don't, I don't want my listeners to think that I'm some infomercial for growing the business. I mean, this is the, the dead truth. I can't stand salespeople. So I think, you know, and a lot of people have, have told me we've gone too far with it, meaning that I have not done a good job of putting us out there, letting people know that how to, because the podcast is successful as it is. It's not a, a money making entity, meaning that we do this. It's not really as a money making entity. It's, you know, it's the relationships we get off of it that helps, you know, do everything. And that's why we keep it going is because it has led to business relationships and meeting people like Dr. Thomas Stanley's daughter who, you know, who now we can have a relationship with and talk with. But it has not been, I'm not making, you know, $100,000 a year off of podcast income. It just doesn't exist. This thing is more of a passion project. So in the next few months, I've got to figure out a way. I've told my Fidelity rep I would try to do this and others, a more soft way to just put it out there that we we do want podcast listeners to consider us for, for, for becoming clients. And I figured instead of me trying to hire some consultant, some of the best advice I've ever gotten on this show is when I ask my listeners how do you do it without looking like an infomercial? And I'm not talking about I want to change my content. The content's not going to change on the show. The show is going to be done the exact same way I've done it for the last eight years. I just want to find whether it's something on the website or something we play at the beginning of each show or the end of each show just to kind of let people know we're open to, to have a relationship above and beyond just listening to the podcast. So, Bo, maybe it's crazy I'm just throwing it, because I did not talk about this in show prep whatsoever. Yeah, I just came out of left field. But we're talking about vision planning, and I'm talking about what I want to do in 2015. This stuff's important to me. Absolutely. And so I felt like I would open it up and just see if if anybody in the audience, or hopefully there'll be multiple people, just give us your thoughts. And and also tell me what you're worried about hearing this, too, because I don't want want to run anybody off, because my audience is so, so very important to me. I mean, we have built this thing up over eight years and um, I found so interesting when I was at FinCon and other things, we have this great relationship with the consumers. We've not done a good job of going out there and marketing and cross-referencing with other podcasters and content creators. We're working on that. We're going to fix that. Um, I think you saw our last episode. We had Alan Moore on. We're creating those those networks right now on that. But we do have a tremendous relationship with the actual consumer that, that goes out there and finds us on Stitcher, on iTunes. I want to keep that. I think that's very sacred to me. It's very important to me that people know that we're trying to give really true, unbiased advice. And because we've been so good with that, it's paid off in other ways for us. But I, I need to figure out a way to kind of kick it up a notch because we got bigger things. So when I talk about vision planning, guys, the Money Guy Show, I want it to be bigger. Not because it's necessarily for us and me. It's because I think the message that we do between the Taiwan Nation, between trying to make things better... I think people benefit. It's kind of like what Dave Grohl was saying. You listen to this show. You do things. It's not about Brian Preston or Bo Hansen and the Money Guy Show. It's just it makes the thing, it makes things better because we're getting this advice and information out there. So if, if we can grow and be successful, I think it makes it all better and will help us. So that's my vision plan. Had no idea this thing was going to come Seinfeld full circle, but that's just the way it works sometimes. But I want to thank you guys. Great 2014. Pay attention to our Twitter feeds. Go out to the website, money-guy.com. You can write the show directly. It's probably very important. I give you that in case you're, you're driving down the road. It's very simple. It's Brian, B-R-I-A-N at money-guy. 
or you money-guy.com or Bo Hansen. You can write him at Bo, B-O at money-guy.com. Go check us out on, you know, the website, money-guy.com, as well as our Twitter feeds, our Facebook. We're all out there. We're trying to stay connected so you can feel part of this family. Hope you had a great 2014. We'll talk to you at the first of 2015. I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. And Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. (laughs) 